95th day of the war brings him back to the road. Only now in the opposite direction, to the east. Half a day earlier, I bought two tickets, booked an apartment, planned a short stay at France between the bus and the train, got a nail appointment at 10 p.m., because who knows when I'd be able to get my nails done next time. Tell me, says the manicurist as she starts sewing my nails with her tired hands after a long day of work. Where are you going so urgently? My husband got a day off. I'm going to see him for the first time in three months. This is podcast Putin. Take your pills. The conversations and memories firsthand. The story of how Ukraine fights against Russia for its freedom. To get to the regional center 100 kilometers from which my husband serves at the front, we need to leave at least a day and a half in advance. I will spend exactly 30 hours on the way to my final destination. If you ignore the alarms, single missile strikes and anti-tank hedgehogs scattered along the road, the city can be called peaceful. But with every kilometer closer to the east, the chance of coming under Russian fire is getting higher. At 6 a.m. on the day of my departure, I pack my bag. Of course, there is always turned out to be more stuff than planned. Coffee, two eggs, sausages, and oatmeal for breakfast. Meanwhile, my mother, of course, does not miss a chance to start a fight. Although she honestly held on until that day. This isn't a fight where you just fight off her words. These are desperate screams in the kitchen that wake up the whole family. She's scared. My husband is scared. I am scared. I'm crying in the car all the way to the bus station. Although crying has actually become my new habit. Now I cry almost every day. Then I will have six long hours on the bus and the first real cappuccino since the full-scale invasion began. I leave my suitcase at France, picking up some stuff quickly, just like on February 24th, and putting them in a small backpack. I leave for the train station 15 minutes before the departure. Almost late. A taxi driver who got lost in residential areas of Lviv makes a joke that I will not make it. Classic taxi driver jokes that no one ever laughs at. But I actually made it to the train with a bit of complaints from the conductor, of course. The train, which is getting closer to the war zone with every second, is completely packed with passengers. Some woman with black hair wants to help me make the bed. I have a top shelf. She asks her husband to help me, gives a brief instructions about our compartment, and tries to explain how everything works here. Although, 
no one actually asked her to. Such caring neighbors come across me on trains almost every time, from the age of 16, when I started traveling around the country myself. Although now, at 24, I don't look much older. My age is indicated only by the wrinkles that have appeared and deepened during this three months of war and the wedding ring on my finger. I am even a few kilos thinner than my 16-year-old self. The exact weight with which I crossed the threshold of this coupe is 42.6 kilograms. I don't remember when was the last time I had this weight, but I remember very well what tantrums, worries, and anxieties made up my special diet for a healthy weight loss. Is it better to lie down to the window with my head on my feet? Because it feels like everything will just fall on me. This is what I ask my husband, who is now definitely better versed in the trajectories of fragments from explosions of Russian ammunition. With your feet. He says, and I do exactly like he told me. <coughs> the night still doesn't go smoothly. I wake up all the time because of the railway noises and stupid dreams. But the most important is that none of them is about war. My train is two hours late. Its arrival at 12.29 is ideally synced with the start of the siren. However, only a few people in the city pay attention to them, says the taxi driver who's taking me to my husband. We meet when the sound of an air alarm is no longer heard, but the danger persists even without it. After three months in the army, my husband also lost weight. I can feel it when I hug him with relief. For the first time in all these long months, This is how our 24 hours together start. Now for us, these are just numbers that do not mean anything. During the war, time feels completely different. Can one day outweigh the previous 90? If measured by wartime, it can. These 24 hours are an attempt to bring normality back into our lives. Make up for lost calories, nerve cells, and days that should have been spent together. Take off of the pose, living together, and take off clothes to finally have the wedding night. My husband's friends were teasing him because we haven't had a chance to actually spend the first time as a married couple up until now. Maximum normality, which is supposed to return us back to the usual perception of time. Just 
go to the store holding hands, just buy flowers, just chat, just order a bunch of steaks, sushi and tartare, just watch a movie, just have sex, just hug and fall asleep together, just have breakfast in a cafe, ordering coffee that you don't have to brew yourself from the kettle. But this justice ruined by the war at every step we make. Later, it turns out that the store we were going to has been recently destroyed. Windows are broken on the upper floors of the red building. Windows in neighboring buildings, like most windows throughout Ukraine, are taped, but they seem to be intact. I hold my husband's hand, which is wrapped in the sleeve of the uh, military jacket. He's fully dressed in pixel, and in the shopping center we also buy him a headdress with the same pattern. I wish, however, that he would never, ever have to wear it again as soon as possible. Our conversations keep running back to war, although we resist. Our unspoken thoughts also running back to it. Because only 24 hours separate my husband from returning to the very center of this war. Those 24 hours passed as quickly as I expected, maybe even faster. As we return to the train station again, where I don't want to return to, I show my husband a sad grimace. He smiles. And I smile back, although what this smile hides can hardly be called just sadness. The train starts and we say our final goodbyes. I wrap the peonies my husband gave to me with a towel soaked in water, hoping that they will survive 18 hours of travel in a stuffy, hot compartment. Share this podcast with your friends so that as many people as possible learn about the crimes of the Putin regime firsthand. We will also appreciate you supporting us on Patreon using a link in the podcast description. We will donate 50% of the funds to support humanitarian initiatives in Ukraine. The podcast is produced and written by Diana Kovalova. Voice and translation, Darina Mizina. Sound designer, Oleksiy Nezhakov.